Okay, it, I think it's recording. Okay, awesome. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to our fourth podcast of the year, um, or first podcast of this year, uh, depending on the way you see it. Um, today, we have Louis McGee, um, who will be joining us to talk about um, disability justice today, as well as some of his uh, personal story. Um, but with that, I should introduce myself first. I haven't uh been on that on this podcast that often so just to introduce myself uh my name is kyle uh pronouns he or they uh and i'm one of the co-advocacy chair for masu um year 2020-2021 uh louis would you like to introduce yourself hi yeah my name is louis mcgee i use he him pronouns um i'm the president of the disabled student cultural center and excited to be on the podcast today yeah, yeah, and uh, we both are students at University of Minnesota. Correct. Yes, I'm year, a, yeah. in my sophomore year. Mm, gotcha. Uh, let's see. Oh, I kind of also want to show the audience our drinks a bit. So, oh. so well, Kyle, Kyle's got me trying something new today. I'm having a avocado smoothie for the first time. Yeah, isn't it amazing? Our other- um, It's delicious. I'm glad you liked it. Our other advocacy chair, uh, Jenny, would usually just eat the avocado straight up. I, <laughs> I, I don't know about you. I thought that's kind of different. Um, I don't know but, if I would do that. Yeah, yeah. Just to share the recipe a little bit with the audience. It's essentially just, uh, was it? it was just smashed avocado smashed with condensed milk and then you top it off with milk and then it's just kind of like a smoothery flavor yeah yeah it's delicious mm. but yes um if there are any new audience members who don't really know what ASCAVO is um essentially it is a play on word for advocacy uh ask avocado ask advo um so hence the avocado drinks. But we, our goal is to make advocacy more accessible. Um, too many times, I think there is like such a big cancel culture when it comes to advocacy. Like, oh, if you say the wrong thing, if you up, like, oh, you know, you're, you're canceled. Like you are, like they will shut you off. And I don't think it's productive. I don't think like, oh, there's nothing, you can't really learn from that. So I wanna set the tone for this podcast. like. We're all learning, we're all students, we're not experts. Um, and we're just here to learn, we're here to have conversations and it's okay to pick up. Um, yeah. I would agree with that. I feel like I, along that same note, I, I do feel like, you know, in the world where we live in a world where everybody's trying to do their part and, you know, if you do it wrong, you're screwed. And so I think this is a great opportunity to kind of kind of teach and learn at the same time of like, it's okay to, it's okay to ask questions. And often that's better than just uh, trying to do the right thing. If you're just asking, then you, then you can find it out. Exactly, exactly. So yes, that is the purpose of the podcast. And this month we'll focus on disability justice. Um, but before that, uh, since you introduced yourself as the president of uh, DSCC or Disabled Student Cultural Center, um, essentially one of the 
or actually I'll let you do the introductions yourself. Uh, what is the SCC? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're one of the cultural centers here at the University of Minnesota. You can find us on the second floor of the Memorial Union. So um, our mission is to provide a space for disabled students to interact, collaborate, um, you know, find like-minded people to have similar conversations, share experiences, um, and then along the way, do some advocacy. Um, there's, you know, lots of advocacy in all corners of the world, and and our our um, mission is to shed light on the disabled community a little bit more. And you know, so we do that in a, you know a bunch of different ways, but um, you know, some ways are, you know, we work together um, to make each other comfortable to share experiences and, you know, learn from each other. And then also we try and do outreach to the community and, um, you know, show the able-bodied world what we're all about. Yeah, that's amazing. And I, I also just want to uh, like hash out some vocabs uh, and able-bodied would be uh, people who do not have disability or how would you define it? Correct. You will often hear the terms like able-bodied or neurotypical. Um, those are kind of the terms thrown around for people who able-bodied, you know, don't have any, you know, physical disabilities. Neurotypical would mean, you know, don't have any um, neuro disabilities. So pretty much, you know, the same thing. And there's, you know, a, a gray line between physical disability and, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to you know, cross any boundaries with that. But, uh, but yeah, th those are kind of the two words to describe people who are not disabled, neurotypical, and, and then um, able-bodied, so. Mm -hmm. I see. So how did, how did you personally get involved as the president of DSCC? Yeah, yeah, so, um, so I'm blind. Um, I was diagnosed with a rare eye disease when I was five years old. Been losing my vision progressively ever since and so you know growing up with a certain amount of vision but you know I was losing it over time you know gave me an appreciation because I was always the only blind person I knew um, there's not that many of us I think there's about 470 school-aged blind kids in Minnesota so um, we only get to meet each other at you know camps and things that you know events that the state puts on or or whatnot um, so I, you know, kind of grew up doing a lot of self-advocacy because I had to. Um, I had to kind of teach the world what I was all about um, as I figured what I was all about. Um, and so that kind of, you know, from a young age taught me about advocacy. And I saw all the, all the things in the world that, you know, weren't necessarily set up to help people like me. So, um, you know, I started getting involved more advocacy in high school and then, you know, I became a student here at the University of Minnesota last year. And um, about halfway through the year, I found out about the DSCC and I was excited to see what I could do to, what I could do to help. And so I've been involved for a little over two semesters now. So it's, it's been great work, but um, yeah, I, I'm excited to do more um, advocacy in disabilities in general now. So, you know, up until I joined the DSCC, I, I would say, for me, I can only speak from the experience of a blind person. And so, um, I mean, I still only can, obviously, but 
I'm excited to hear more perspectives in the disability community and learn more and, you know, to have all these dynamic perspectives, you know, near me. And so now I feel like I can, um, you know, I'm learning a lot and, and it's really exciting. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I thank you for sharing. And uh, what would you say that are some of your, what would be some of the examples of the work that you have done at DSCC? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so you know, we've been living with the pandemic for a while, so things have been a bit slow recently. But um, back last year in the spring, we uh, before the pandemic hit, we had some really exciting meetings. This was around the time I was um, starting at the DSCC. We had some really exciting meetings with um, Spin and Lime, um, some of the, if you remember, the e-scooter companies. Um, haven't seen them for a while because of the pandemic. I, they put out far fewer scooters this summer. Um, but we had met with them to kind of discuss some, um, you know, accommodations with, you know, scooters being left all over the place. You know, it's inaccessible for wheelchair users or someone like me, if I'm walking down the street, all of a sudden I run into a scooter, you know, we, so we had some really exciting discussions with them about changing that. Um, that was one project I was super excited about. Um, that, you know, it was going places in the pandemic hit and they didn't bring the scooters back out. So I suppose we got what we wanted in the long run. <laughs> um, so that was exciting. But other things we do, you know, we've had um, events like uh, caffeine connections where, you know, uh, back when we could, we would, you know, go into our space at the union and um, have some coffee, have some discussions, you know, things like talking about, you know, justice, autism justice, or, um, you know, what it's like to have, you know, be dealing with more than one disability at the same time, some, some of that intersectionality in the disabled community. And so, you know, we try and get a variety of things, re reach out and, uh, you know, get a wider audience. But the, the trouble, you know, recently has been we, we have a we have a small, um, you know, it's hard to reach, it's hard to reach people during a pandemic. So, you know, we're looking forward to the future in the spring and bringing people together and working with other groups and kind of bringing the disabled voice into some other, um, some other conversations. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, and I hear you use like terms like intersectionality and like identities. And like all of this, like the way you describe disabled community, it seems like it's, it's almost, it's almost like a, a culture. Would, is that how it, could it be yeah. described like that? Yeah, I mean, we are the, you know, Disabled Student Cultural Center. You know, it's pretty mm -hmm. exciting. Actually, I'm, I, um, uh, University of Minnesota, I, uh, we were actually the first university to have a cultural center. So we're the first university to recognize that the disabled community is, has its own culture. You know, it, it is, a, you know, it's a culture in its own way. And, and, you know, however you define culture, you know, humanity and society has, has, you know, invented, you know, things like this over time. So, but it's pretty exciting that, that, uh, yeah, we're recognized as a culture. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, for me personally, it's also very new to me that, um, or at least it never occurs to me that it's, it's a culture, there's identities that matters to people and intersectionality. Um, so how, or what's the question? So like, what, why do you think it hasn't been widely recognized as like a culture? Yeah, um, 
Well, and, and that's not necessarily the goal, but I do think the reason it's not been widely recognized um, is mostly just the conversations we have around disabilities. No one likes to have them. You know, like, let's just be honest. It's, it's really hard to have those discussions because people feel awkward and people feel like they don't know what to say or how to ask it, so they don't or they avoid it. And so that's what's that's sort of the thing that we're fighting against is let's have these conversations. You know, they're they're tough conversations in some cases, but you know we got to have them. They exist. You know, a, a really high percent of people are disabled. You know, like twenty percent, I think, of the adult population, you know, lives with a disability day to day. So why are we not confronting it as much as uh, as much as we're confronting other things? You know, and and it's hard because how do you have a conversation? That people don't want to have you know it's it becomes um it becomes difficult even even you know on our own side you know we're we're having conversations with ourselves trying to figure things out along the way you know it's it's a new it's sad that it's sort of a new thing and not really talked about but you know that's where we're at and we're trying to push that forward mm -hmm. and here we are with the podcast here we are i'm lucky <laughs> to be on here having this discussion yeah and so i when that makes sense. Like, I think like when you said like that, that does also show up in lots of, uh, I, I, sorry, I'm just drawing my own personal experience to kind of make yeah. sense of this, but uh, it, it makes sense. Like, I think like uh, in Asian American community, there's like a lot of things other people try not to approach because of trying to be correct because of stuff like that. And so there's always stuff that people don't know. People are too afraid to ask and they end up, uh, they end up doing harm. They end up like accidentally, unknowingly uh, did some type of harm against that community. So with that, I kind of want to ask, what are some common things that you see in our society that still perpetuate some type of ableism against disabled people? just because those yeah. conversations are not being had. Yeah, yeah. So I, I would say that probably the biggest thing is, you know, if we're not willing to have these conversations, like we're not gonna get anywhere, right? And so the, the um, you know, it it's hard to combat awkwardness because, you know, it, it, when you have those conversations, like people, you know, it's, it's hard to find the right way to approach a conversation where someone's gonna have to feel awkward the whole time, but then how do you make them come away with a better understanding and with a better curiosity to continue? You know, I, I feel like curiosity is what we need, right? We need people to want to learn and want to understand. And so in society, a lot of the things that, a lot of the problems we run into are, you know, things like um, in school, you know, obviously Brown versus Board of Education, there's no such thing as school segregation anymore. Okay, well, if the listeners out there, like if you went to you know, a public high school, chances are pretty good you saw a, a different room that wasn't the standard classroom where disabled kids went for maybe special ed or you know, they had to be taken out of the regular classroom so that they could you know, learn differently. You know, our society is not set up to be all inclusive. It's set up so that we have one way of doing things. And if someone needs special accommodations, they 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 gotta they gotta get out of there and they gotta you know have those special accommodations somewhere else. Well, 
imagine what it's like for for kids growing up in public school you know you're only in a classroom with three or four other kids you know you don't get to you don't get to have the same experiences you don't get to you know meet you know for me if I, I was the only blind kid I knew that's probably how it's going to be in the adult life you know it's not going to be you're not going to get a job and then be in your special ed you know office room at, at work right you know you gotta um people need to interact with the with real society you know we can't separate kids like that so i would say that's one of the, one of the big issues another big issue that we don't um you know talk about a lot is you know police brutality that that has a big impact on the disabled community half of all violence related with police is, is disabled we don't you know, often the, the disabled boy, excuse me, the disabled voice just gets shunted to the side, you know, and not that, you know, anything is more important than anything else, but, you know, why is it pushed to the side? You know, we just don't want to talk about it. And that's hard. And, you know, some intersectionality with, with um, like gender and race, you know, just going to be blunt we all have, you know, stereotypes in our head because our society is racist and ableist and all these things. So, you know, if, if you think in your head right now, of all the stereotypes you have of, of um, disabled people, mm-hmm. chances are pretty good. All the stereotypes in your head are, are white kids, you know, the, like you don't really think about minority races in like all, being also disabled, you know, things like, mm-hmm. things like race and, and, um, you know, disability and things like that are often just lumped into one category. Like you, you can be black or you can be disabled, but you can't be both. Or you can be Asian and you can be disabled, but you can't be both. You know, and some of that, mm-hmm. some of that's hard as a society. You know, we, the, uh, particularly with women, I, I know in the, in the autism community, there's, there's a big, you know, conversation about, it. Uh, there's a big, um, like controversy with autistic women. Um, it, they're, there's a super, super high suicide rate with autistic women because they don't get services mm. and they don't get accommodations what they, what they need um, compared to their male counterparts. Um, you know, and it, it brings their life expectancy way down. And so that's really hard. And, you know, it's, it's hard to have a bunch of strong identities, you know, because people want to simplify things and people want to see you for one identity. You know, it's hard to have a lot going on, right? It's hard to be a woman and disabled, or it's hard to be black and autistic, or or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that is a fantastic point. I, I, you are on spot on how, because when personally for me, when I do think of like um, disabled community, the first picture, mental picture that does pop out in my head are a white community, white disabled community, I should say. Um, and yeah, it, 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 it never occurs or it, it, it does. It, it I, uh, let me re-say this. Like, it makes sense. Like there is, there are people, women and there are Asians, uh, there are Apitas, there are, uh, black people, and they are also they are also disabled identities who intersects, but the default it, it it just never occurs. So, you you were on spot right there, and that is really tragic. Um, how um, how it can lead to life threatening issues too. 
like the, the yeah it, it's hard because society tells us these things right you know and and we might think and, and listeners you know eventually if you're hearing this and you might you know visualize a a white disabled person in your head and you might think oh man am i ableist i i mean our society is we were taught that you know i was taught that as a disabled person you know what i mean like we are taught that and it's it's hard because you know similar to racism you can't remain complacent you have to you have to fight back you need to like learn what is happening and combat it you can't remain complicit you know it's sort of like it's sort of like um uh, you know you have to be in it, it i would say it's, it, there's a parallel with the with the racism community you know we're, we obviously cannot say there's no race like there's only one race the human race all right well that's stupid there are races and we made them you know humans created these you know groups so that they could you know level themselves on, on a scale and rate themselves against each other we created that and now we're reaping the problems of that and so we can't just ignore it now we have to fight back and and go back and change it right, right? It, just like we told the world you know all for all these past you know hundreds and of years we've told the world that disabled people are less than able-bodied people and so now we can't just say oh they're not we have to fight back and you know push back at those at those things and the things that are set up in society that that make it so that um, everybody thinks you know you're less or or you can only be disabled and white and male and you know have nothing else going on like there's all these um you know the world isn't quite so simple <laughs> yeah 100 percent i uh i personally get kind of frustrated like whenever someone say oh racism doesn't exist my my uncle personally told me that um this was after uh floyd passed but my my family who are conservative um basically told me oh just move on like oh eh, it's not a thing <laughs> racism is not a thing it's just i, I don't know but yeah yeah and that, that you know, we're it. we're told that that's what we're told right Mm-hmm. Like we are told that, oh, it's 2021. That's all in the past. You know, like the civil rights movement was in the 60s. Like, you know, we solved all those issues. Well, there's a lot more going on in today's world that, you know, disadvantages some people and advantages others, you know, and we have to recognize that. And we have to like, we have to use, you know, use that as a tool and say, look, this is still happening. And there may be such things as the ADA, you know, the Americans with Disabilities Act, you know, and people might say like, oh, well, now the whole world is accessible. Mm. No, it's not, <laughs> you know, and we need to understand that the world is not set up to be all inclusive, because that would be too hard. You know, I'm doing air quotes for the listeners, you know, it, it, mm. it's sort of like, we're trained to say, what's the easiest route and ask no more questions than that. Mm. 100% yeah this uh this part of the conversation kind of reminds me of this one uh uh study that um or not a study but it was like a like a review or reflection or whatever but it's essentially saying that like most of the um the medication recommendations or of the ca- the, the calorie intakes that you would typically find on the back of like uh, food products or stuff like that, all of those um, 
just like dietary or health or medication recommendations, they are all uh, designed to benefit the the straight white man, the straight the straight white able body man, and it never like really considers like the um, like woman. It doesn't consider um, a PETA people and how different their body functions, black people, black bodies and stuff like that. And so because of that, um, there are cases of like people going overdose on, on those like medications and stuff like that. And it, it, it it's a, in, intersectionality is not often talked about, but it, it, it in some cases, it's very much like a, a life-threatening issue. But that, that just reminds me of that study, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy what what um, you know what's just looked looked past today. You know, all these there's so many things. You know, you can read endless articles and think, oh my God, how is that still happening? You know, and it it is, you know, and we got to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, now I kind of want to great discussion. By the way, I love the conversation, but I want to bring it back a little bit to um, uh, disability justice. And my next question is, um, why do you think our society has grown to use, um, to, or to use disabilities as an insult to one another? Yeah. So, um, so there's a lot of you know historical things you can look back, you know, in legislation and society and you know whatever, um, and not even that long ago in history, um, but you know. I would say the main, I would say like the main struggle is, so when you're disabled or at least, okay, so for me, I'll I'll just, I'll use myself as an example. So I'm blind and in school, I obviously have to learn a little bit differently than sighted people, right? I have to listen to things. I have to, you know, mostly audio, right? Or if it's, if it's a visual, it needs to be really big, you know, things need to be different. So those are accommodations, right? So in school, I needed a lot of accommodations. Well, accommodations often are unfamiliar to people. So in a school that's never taught a blind kid before, you know, they had to learn all these new things. They had to learn how to use technology so that I could use the technology. They had to, you know, provide me with technology. They had to do all these things, right? And I was fortunate to have a school that was willing to do all that. And that's awesome. But you know, if we, you know, beyond into society, you know, for instance, um, accommodations in the classroom, you know, we often think that's, that's where it ends. But, you know, if, if I need accommodations in the classroom, chances are I'm, I'm going to be living my life also, you know, different than an able-bodied person, right? And so that's what becomes tricky, where people are not willing some people are, you know, I, there's always exceptions, you know, I don't want to make too big of generalizations, but um, too many people are not willing to figure out those accommodations and learn how to, you know, do them or use them or, you know, work with them, right? And so people just become afraid or nervous or awkward because it, you know, if they encounter, if I walk into a room with my white cane and people see that, you know, I'm sort of instantly putting myself in this blind box. You know, everybody thinks, all right, he's blind. Like we're going to have to do things differently. We're going to have to help. We're going to have to whatever, but they don't necessarily, you know, if they've never met a blind person, they don't know what to do. 
So often people resort to feeling awkward or asking stupid questions or, you know, whatever, right? And so you have to learn all these new things because the disabled community is so diverse. You know, there's so many different disabilities and none of them look the same. And, you know, even across the same disability, they look different, right? There's all different kinds of blindness. And blindness can also be, you know, alongside hearing loss or a cognitive impairment or, or whatever. You know, there's all these, um, there's all these things. And um, I, I read this, I read this great article once and I'm, I feel bad I'm forgetting the author right now, but it, it kind of goes along with this, that this vibe of um, the, the woman writing the article says, you know, she thinks she has a physical impairment and society gives her a disability by not being accessible, right? And I really like that, that, you know, I would say I have a physical impairment. My eyes don't work the way that your eyes work, but society gives me a disability by not being accessible. So I have to do all these things and I have to do things, you know, I, I always am going to have to do things differently because I can't see, but I sometimes can't do things because society wasn't created to help me succeed, you know, and, and that's, you know, in all types of, you know, wheelchair users, for instance, there's a, there's a million buildings that you just can't access, right? And, you know, using a wheelchair, that, you know, like, that's a physical impairment. Maybe, maybe you're paralyzed from the, from the waist down, and maybe your legs don't work. So you have a physical impairment, but it didn't become a disability until society didn't create itself to accommodate you. And so it's hard because, you know, people think it's a lot of work or it's awkward or it's, it's, um, you know, they don't want to do it. It's extra work, right? People want to be lazy. And so here we are struggling along with all of these, you know, we'll just sh shunt disabled people into the corner and we'll, you know, you know, help, you know, provide social security because they, you know, can't do a job or, you know, all these things. And we're not willing to like, give them the right accommodations they need so that they can succeed and they can provide just like anybody else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. I, that's, that added a, a perspective for me. I think like um, in so many cases I have heard, uh, it's always about uh, in Asian, in the PETA community, it's always about like, um, oh, you should, oh, like you, you are suffering in um, a low income family. Oh, okay. Just work harder and you'll get there. It, 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 it's always the person's fault or it's always the person's misfortune and that they have to overcome. And it's never about how, uh, it's never the question about like, it's, it's always like, oh, why don't you work harder? It's always about like, oh, why? It's never like, why can't, why does this happen in the first place? Why can't society like reframe the framework? Well, that, you're I, right. That's a really big parallel I drew there. So yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. And it's sort of like, you know, it's sort of like everyone doesn't start out, you know, if, if life is a race, you know, we live in a capitalist society. So we're you know, it's all about working, right? That's how you get to the top or whatever. We don't all start at the same starting line, right? Some people start 
a few steps back. Some people step, start a few miles back, right? It's not, it's not an equal level playing field. So we can't just tell people to work harder or do better or be a better self-advocate, you know, Diff there's different people out there, you know, mm. there's, there's introverts and extroverts. So the extroverts are, you know, probably better at self-advocacy and the introverts aren't, but do they, you know, if you're an introvert and disabled, like, are, are you going to just, you know, get screwed over because you're not great at, you know, telling people what you can and can't do or how you need to do things differently. And, you know, we, we like, we screw people over because we're not willing to sort of, you know, put effort back, right? You, you put it all on the people. And if, you know, and if society is set up like this and it's all on people, you know, some will say, oh, well, what about, you know, the famous like blind guy who climbed Mount Everest or, you know, the first, you know, paraplegic who climbed Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa. You know, there's all these, there's these people you can point to and then you're like, well, you know, you got to take a look at their life circumstances, right? It's not, everyone does not start on the same playing field. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, 100%. Uh, that, that kind of makes me think, um, so, or this is kind of a tangent, a very big tangent, but uh, I, I had a thought, like I, before I moved to America, I moved to America in eighth, eighth grade, but before I moved to America, I, I, like I knew I wasn't Asian, but it, it never clicked. Like it's, an, it's until after I moved here, um, experienced some bad things. <laughs> uh, and then it clicks like, oh, I'm Asian American. I'm wondering, I'm curious to like, did you ever have that moment um, that you kind of realized like that is your identity, this disabled? Um, yes. So as I mentioned in school, you know, I had to do things, you know, differently. I needed some assistive technology and, you know, I'm lucky to, you know, it's a great time to be blind. There's a ton of technology out there to help me. Right. Mm -hmm. So I remember, um, in, uh, in the early years, grades, uh, I think it was fourth grade, I had this thing called a CCTV, a closed circuit TV. It was basically a TV monitor with a camera on an arm and I could point that camera down at my desk and then on the screen, I could adjust and zoom in really big on all my books and worksheets and all that. So I could do my schoolwork on the screen and I could move it around and write and it would be blown up really big. And so that was hard for me because, you know, kids first, you know, firstly, kids thought it was awesome. You know, we could, you know, put things under it and blow it up really big. You know, it became a, you know, I was the cool guy for a while. <laughs> nice. But then, you know, it became this like, oh, I'm different. You know, I remember one time my, my screen faced the door to the classroom. And so when kids would walk by in the hallway, I remember seeing these kids, you know, looking in through the window and being like, oh, whoa, what is that? You know, and, and I kind of, you know, that was, you know, from a young age, I kind of realized like, man, I'm, you know, I really do have to learn differently. And I don't feel like, I, I never felt like I was, I was less or I, I, I had a, you know, the way I learned was maybe less than other kids, but it, it really made me kind of recognize that, you know, I am different and I gotta, I gotta learn to live with that. And I gotta learn to use that as a tool, you know, and I can't let that define me but at the same time it does right you know how where, where's the right balance between you know my identity as a blind 
person? And then where do I draw the line with stopping it to define, you know, all of me? Like I'm a lot of things, I'm not just blind. And so you gotta, you kinda gotta realize the balance. And, and you know, that's been, I, I would say I'm still not there. You know, it, it's, a, it's a learning curve, right? And just like with any um, identity, you know, you don't, it, it, it's a spectrum and it, and it changes and it evolves over time, but you know, it's, it's a, it's a struggle of a conversation you got to have with yourself. Mm -hmm. I agree. Uh, and that with that, I, I, um, I recently came across, uh, uh, what is it called? I recently came across this conversation um, and it was recent too. It, it, I, or I think it was recent, but it was about how the media coverage of the disabled community is not always the the best way, not always the most productive way. It as in mm -hmm. like it describes how in movies you see like a disabled character um, and then they overcome all of their struggles to become a quote unquote normal person. What is what is your opinion in media coverage in general of the disabled community? Yeah, so I always point, or I, I use this, um, like this analogy. So I, I call it like the helpless or the hero, right? So if you're disabled, you're either helpless or you're a hero in anything you do. So like, I'm, I'm walking across the street with my white cane, you know, some, I, you know, someone will run up, oh, that, you're just so inspirational. I, I just walked across <laughs> the street. That's not cool. Like, like mm -hmm. I, there's nothing special about that, right? And then, and then on the other hand, you know, I, I've been walking across the street and had someone run up to me, grab my cane and start dragging me along. I'm like, oh, you really think that's helpful? Like I got here without you, right? <laughs> like mm -hmm. I don't all of the sudden need your help, right? And so people don't know. And you're right, in, in media, media coverage always covers stories like, hey, look at this kid with a huge struggle and then he overcame it you know, and it's like, oh, now he's like all better, right? You know, like maybe he was, you know, he was blind, but but he played soccer and then he scored a goal. Like, wow, isn't that amazing? You know, it, 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 it we're sort of portrayed like we were helpless. And then if we overcame like anything, it, even if it isn't overcoming, you know, if it's walking across the street, that's not really anything at all. But it's portrayed as, look, this this person that suppose you know society says can't do anything just did something so we need to recognize that and tell them it's awesome you know like every time I do something it's not inspirational and you know and that becomes obvious if you have a close friend you know my close friends you know they you know forget I'm blind right we just do everything you know accommodations just sort of fall into normal normal life right but if you don't have a a close friend who's blind or a close autistic friend or whatever, those things don't, you know, they don't affect you. They don't happen. You know, you don't have to really deal with them. And so then when you come into contact with someone, you don't want to, you don't want to change your ways. Mm -hmm. I see. I see. And I just have one last question for you. Um, unless there's anything else you wanted to expand or add on to whatever we have talked about but what is a message that you would like to send to our audience um, who are interested in learning more about disability justice 
Yeah, I, I would say, as far as disability justice, I would say, um, for me, it's just about asking questions. So every time you're in a situation um, and there might be you know, a disabled person or, or whatever, like if there's a disabled person you're run into, you, know, you have a conversation with, you know, mm-hmm. I, I would say, ask them, ask them about it. Don't, you know, don't, don't be rude, you know, obviously like <laughs> use discretion, obviously, but, but I would say, you know, for me, I love talking about, it. you know, some people are not going to want to talk about it, but that's, you know, that's personal preference. But, you know, if I'm walking down the street, you know, or if I'm in a class, let's say I'm in a class, you know, and people know I'm blind and, you know, we're in like a small group um, doing an activity or something, you know, when someone has a question like, hey, you know, I, I, I know you're blind. Like, I was just wondering, you know, so how do you, how do you read the textbook? You know, I'm so excited to answer that question because I'm like, man, this person wants to learn, right? This person knows that I do it differently and they want to know, right? So I love, I love that. I love that interaction. And, and I, and, you know, I can't speak for everybody, but, you know, the, the, the more curiosity you show, the better. And I would say, you know, go out there, read some articles, you know, do whatever you do, whatever you want, but, um, you know, don't forget about us, right? Keep us, keep us in your, in the back of your head. So, um, you know, we're, we're out here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. And I, I think like, uh, just one tiny follow-up, uh, but asking questions, definitely a very productive thing. Uh, earlier you mentioned like, since people don't really know, or if people are afraid to ask, they end up like saying stupid things or saying like, or asking stupid questions. What would be uh, some examples of that? Well, um, I don't know if I can come up with too many like stupid questions. And I I don't wanna, I I feel bad I maybe said stupid questions. I would rather have a question than not, right? I I would rather answer a question. for me, you know, stupid questions that I've had are, you know, like, how do you know, <laughs> like, how do you know what clothes you're putting on in the morning? Or, you mm-hmm. know, things like, like, how do you, I don't know, like, how do you type? You know, it's things like that. Like, okay, just think about it for like a few more seconds before you <laughs> ask, right? Like, and it's, I'd rather have the curiosity, I'd rather explain it than, than not. But, um, but it's more about, um, it's more about the curiosity, right? You know, and it, mm. and it's all, you know, you know, please use discretion. It's all about what the, what people are comfortable with, whoever you're talking to. But if they're willing, you know, if they're willing to talk about their disability, then, then, um, then take advantage of that and ask ask questions and have discussions and, and learn, right? You know, that's what it's that's what it's all about. You know, I I don't know everything about anything, and so you know, you can, I I, I want to learn, right? Like we all should kind of have this vibe of like, we don't know. And, and I, I'm here talking about disabilities and, and I'm, you know, the president of the DSCC, but I, for sure, you know, I, you know, I, I'm learning, I'm, I'm at the, I'm at the lower levels you know, I've got a ton to learn and having this conversation with you is, is even now teaching me things, right. You know, you've brought up some points that, you know, I haven't thought about and, you know, I'm, I'm, as I talk, I, you know, stuff sort of solidifies in my head differently and, you know, we all kind of just have to recognize that we're sort of continuous students, right? 
mm-hmm. that's what we just kind of have to kind of have to look inward and realize that if you're if you got the curiosity if you have the right intentions like you're going places yeah yeah 100 percent. i also want to end with um just like kind of what you said like like i it was this was like a, like a nice moment of reflection for me as well and i was able to draw like many many um parallel lines between um i wouldn't not between the apita community but like the apita community that i grew up in um draw parallel lines with with your experiences so i thought that was really cool um and i think that if society uh takes a moment to also reflect on like the similarities like the similar not like not like the same struggle but like the similar struggle the patterns of the struggle that happens i think like it would probably bring lots of unity more than like awkward conversations and division but yeah mm-hmm. yeah. yeah um and that's all i have for the podcast um any lasting words well thank you for having me i'm, I'm really excited to to share this and I, you know and i hope uh i hope people you know take some things away don't don't think i'm uh i'm crazy or anything but i'm really excited to uh have this discussion um you know it, it's a discussion that needs to continue so so uh yeah yeah thank you so much <laughs>